Hello and welcome to episode 75, Fish Across the Pond. It's a Marlins UK podcast. I am your host, Peter Pratt, and joining me, two of the UK goats. First up in the leadoff spot, who else? Lee Dobbs. Lee, give it to me. How are we? I am as good as always. <laughs> Top man. And also joining us, Dan Healy is in the house. Dan, how are we? I am very well. Very well, Pete. Yeah, all nicely refreshed after a long, long season. Um, but yes, I'm ready, ready to go, ready to chat. Love it. Mate, I must say, um, the last time we spoke, you were like sliding down that couch of yours. And I can see you're sat perfectly <laughs> upright today. So that's it. Yeah, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's it. That's what, uh, yeah, a, a week or two or so of uh, solid sleep does after uh, a deep playoff run from the Miami Heat. And of course, keeping an eye on our wonderful, fantastic Marlins. A good year, good season for Miami franchises. Hey, listen, it's still rolling on for the NFL guys, too. Those, those Dolphins are. They're bang live too, I think. And it's two a time. Two a time, baby. Two a time. <laughs> whoop, whoop, whoop. Absolute scenes from the Dolphins. Um, you know, it's... Uh, poor old Fitz. I mean, uh, three yeah. and three, one game back. Beard looking on point. Um, and it's, it's two a time. <laughs> well, I mean, I do feel to say I feel really sorry for him because he'd started brilliantly, Fitz. Um, it was just always going to be one of those things. When As soon as there was the slightest glitch, it was like, bang. Yeah. In, in comes to up, but um, look, you know, I'm not. We, we can't hold any any um, reservations for it. Fitz has done great, but he, he was here to fill a gap, and um, yeah. we know we know what we're waiting for. Yeah. And uh, it's two a time. Let's roll with it. Yeah, I love it. Well, let's let's not divert too heavily away from. <laughs> Sorry uh, about that. <laughs> from, no, no, no. That was that, that was me. I mean, we had we had to talk about it. You're right. Florida sports on point, and and the other thing to call out. From a Florida perspective, guys, the the Tampa Bay Rays are, you know, they're in the World Series. Absolute scenes from the Rays. So, you know, this is on the them. back, and this is on the back of the um, NHL team already already yeah. winning. Um, I forgot what they're called. Lightning, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Lightning have already taken the uh, the Stanley Cup, and uh, yeah, who knows what will happen with the Bucks as well right. with, uh, <laughs> with 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 there. So, uh, God, yes, yeah, good year to I, uh, You know, Los Angeles was you know as well. Uh, the Lakers are one, so so some city is celebrating twice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if you're a carpenter in, in Florida, you know, you're going to be building out some trophy cabinets here. I mean, there's going to be a lot of work going on uh, for sure. So, yeah, Florida sports is absolutely pumping. I mean, yeah, loving it, loving the content from the guys that are like across sport coverage. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, the Marlins... We're done, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, seeing their coverage of the other teams, the other sports, it's exciting. I mean, um, I only follow the Marlins personally, uh, you know, in, in terms of, um, you know, from baseball, but the other sports I either don't follow or I'm a Rams guy from, from an NFL side. So, um, you know, don't have, but, you know, the Dolphins now are, you know, number two, let's say. And I'm, I'm excited for two a time as well. I mean, everyone should be excited for two a time. Anyway, guys, the Marlins. Last time we spoke, pre-Brave series, there were some wild predictions flying around. In the end, those brooms were out, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> 3-0, they took us down. I mean, Lee Dobbs, those Bravos, they're a solid team, right? Solid, solid team. 
Yeah, you know, they were just just too good for us. You know, in the end, mm-hmm. I mean, we 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 all see all all I predicted a Marlins win if I remember on our on our podcast last week. You know, like me, you, and Rob. But of course, <laughs> you know, I I think it was more with the the heart, the heart than like the head. But I mean, you know, to get swept was disappointing, especially the way we got swept. Where I mean, after what was it, the seventh inning when it all went wrong in game one. After that, we we never even scored again. I mean, we we had in game three we had the chances. We kept leaving so many men on base in those first sort of sort of five innings. Then after that, we we sort of knew it, it was done. But yeah, yeah. But I mean, but all in all, you know, it was a great great season. You know, we, we can't complain. We got a lot further than any, you know any of us you know even dreamed. So yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, it's tough to to get swept, but. All in all, you know, I mean, the, the Braves are obviously further along long than we are. So, yeah, you know, it was, you know, a great season. You know, I, I don't think getting swept, you know, you know kind of tarnishes it. No. So, yeah, you know, you, know, you can't, can't complain. Not at all. Not at all. But, Dan, I think the one thing, you know, having engaged with the Braves' Twitter uh, in the past couple of weeks, there's a mutual, and Lee actually summarised it perfectly there, where... They're just a couple of years ahead. They, their rebuild is a couple of years ahead, and they're seeing the fruits of it. We're a few years behind, but there's a mutual kind of respect and tip of the cap there. I felt from the Braves guys to say, "Hey, listen, we know the Marlins are coming, and this is going to be fun." What about what's your view, mate? I mean, the Braves still, you know, they're the gold standard. At, you know, I, I say the gold standard. Bloody hell! But the Nats won the World Series the year before, so you know this NL East is just brutal as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, and that just shows you again. You just summed up well there. Like the, the NL East is a brutal division, and yet the Marlins, who everybody in baseball, apart from maybe some uh, rose-tinted Marlins fans like us, um, would have had them uh, had them all at rock bottom. In fact, I think most of us did still had them before even. I think one of or two of us might have said fourth. Uh, I know Pete, you said uh, a lot higher. Still in your pin suite, second, yeah, and that's where we finished. You know, this is a, a brutal brutal division where we had no business especially let's not even go into the details of what actually happened once the season started and um and how we got torn up our team um and yet we still came in and and finished uh second place and then got through to the to the divisional finals we were against a extremely good uh extremely good team so yeah, as Lee just said there, summarised it very well. No um, shame at all in getting swept. We, we had no right being there. Um, so, um, yeah, it was just, it was a bit disappointing because after the first game being up, going into seven innings, you know, I think it was 4-1 up or 3-1 up, something like that. Um, yeah, so to, to, to leave that one there was uh, was a bit gutting. But then after that, yeah, it was, it was just a bit of a shame because we, as Lee just said, we didn't score. Second game was a non-event and third game, yeah, I remember it now so well. You just brought it back up there, Lee, with just the time after time, innings after innings, just leaving men on base. So that game was there to be taken. So it was a bit frustrating, yeah. a bit frustrating to uh, to go out like we did, but certainly nothing but pride um, as a Miami Marlins fan this year. Yeah, what a what a season for the boys. I mean, to to get through a postseason, se- you know, to make the postseason irrespective of what went on to make it firstly in that brutal division with the toughest schedule, albeit that's projected strength of, ske- uh, strength of schedule, but to get through in second 
and then go on the road. And okay, it was a three-game series, but to sweep it in Wrigley, yeah. um, and then you go up against the the Braves in the bubble. And um, you're right; those games, it a sweep, it looks a rough result. But that game one, bang live. Sandy came out for the seventh, and um, you know it fell apart. So way it goes. Yimmy Garcia got blown up. Wasn't blown up all year. James Hoyt, the fireman, came in. Couldn't put the fire out, couldn't find his hose, you know, whatever. Um, then, you know, game two, Pablo pitches well. Ian Anderson pitches well, 2-0, nothing game. Couple of solo shots. Prompt for the Marlins all series long. Could not get Travis Darno out. We didn't get him out, I don't think, all series long. It was it was just painful. Um, and then, yeah, six though, question marks were going in. You know, electric start absolutely electric and then you know a couple of you know so so starts and not good starts probably is the best description and then you know what six are we going to see he only got through three trevor rogers comes in also you know went for a few and you know there you go seven nil it was it was you know the braves cruised it in the end but or seemingly cruised it but in the early part those left on base situations that was that was the problem just couldn't get them couldn't get the men over um so Guys, for me, I think it's been ahead of schedule year. We we shouldn't have been in the playoffs by all projections, and we were. And then we went and beat the the NL Central um, division winner, the Cubs. And I must say, the Central looks vanilla, vanilla as you like. It's it's full of nothing. Um, so I'm intrigued to see how that one plays out in the future. Um, so. Guys, let's turn our attention forward. Let's see what's coming up for the Marlins. First bit of news, though, lead-ups. Magic Mike Hill, he gone. He gone. Derek Jeter decided, from what I understand, discussions were held. Negotiations were started. But in the end, not extended. So he wasn't fired, per se. Contract had run out. Just got extended. Thoughts on that one, mate? Yeah, no, I was quite a surprise where where one saw saw the new sort of like the news the other day because he he did a you know a great job 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 for this season. Mm-hmm. I was obviously the amount of players we lost you know uh, early on and you know he found them from somewhere you know all all his backups and stuff like that that came in and you know like you know done well. So yeah, I was that was so that that was my. My first thought was, well, you know, it, it was really, you know, you know, shocked. But then you, but then when you, when you look into, you know, he wasn't hired by, by Jeter. Yeah, he was already there. Was he's, he's been there, you know, you know, a long, you know, long time now. So yeah, you know, and it, it's, it is natural for them to, to want, to want their own guy, guy in. So you know, I can, un, you know, understand why, why like they, they might want to move on now. Obviously, mm. the, the like pieces, pieces are there now to like, build a winner. Yeah, yeah, and, and I, I guess he just feels just feels he wants his own guy guy there. You know, it's it, it it's a shame that he won't get get to see it through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, that it's the business side, you know, side of it now. Yeah, I guess Dan, what we've seen with uh, with Jeter's style and leadership and, and ownership, I guess, has been he likes his own guys, and he's not afraid to make changes. And I think 
what I understand, and you know, I haven't spent a lot of time researching this, but what I understand is, yeah, Mike Hill was on a relatively long-term contract and it was backloaded, I think. So it, yeah. <laughs> this year was, you know, it was lumpy, let's say, from a contract perspective. And so gut feel is a bit like Donnie last year. Hey, Donnie, um, we'd like you to stay on, but you're going to need to take a pay cut. And I guess there was a similar conversation and Mike Hill's probably going, hey, uh, DJ, have you seen these Marlins this year and what I've done? And um, mm-hmm. he's probably gone, yes, I have, but you still need to take a pay cut. And Mike Hill's probably mm-hmm. gone, I think not. What about mm-hmm. you, mate? <laughs> yeah, I think it's, uh, from what I read and hear, yeah, so it's the same sort of thing. Yeah, I, I, It's a shame, really, that it came down to money um, because he's done an incredible job. Um, I would have liked, like these to see you know, now to get now we're getting to the years where we should start to see some fruition of some bad years and uh, you know some some rebuilding years. We're now in a position where we're going to start moving forward, and we are already ahead of schedule, as you've just said. Um, so it seems a shame that now we're in that sort of position that it's um, that he's gone, um, and the reason why he's gone sounds like it's because of money. Um, so that's a little bit that's a little bit frustrating, but you know I, I, that, that's that it is what it is. Um, from what I understand, he's very, very um, well not, uh, sort of respected in the league. Um, he won't find any trouble getting another job, that's for sure. Uh, he's done a very good job at the Marlins, and uh, there'll be a lot, of, lot of people interested in taking him. So, yeah, I'm a bit, a bit of a shame. But, um, you know, yeah. I trust what I trust the organisation do, and if Derek wants his man, what he's done so far, he's done very well. So, I'll roll with that. Yeah, and I, I don't know how it's going to play out, and I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about it but some of the noises coming out initially and I wasn't on the call there was um there was a media briefing call but I, I wasn't on it, so I didn't hear it directly from uh from from Jida but yeah it sounds like there's a little bit of a restructure also in terms of the front office and what that looks like and roles and, and whatever so a bit like a few years ago guys do you remember where um whoever it was 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 sacked mid-season um i can't and then basically they absorbed the role and went you know split the responsibilities elsewhere so i don't know maybe something similar happens there's some guys in there that i know are well respected gary dembo particular um you know is has got a loud voice there and so you know we'll see how it plays out but we wish mike hill the best for me and you know what we don't know is how instrumental he was in you know, all the stuff that went on this year in terms of recruitment and trades and whatever. But, you know, he had to be, in my opinion. So I think he, he was incredible this year. And I've said that many times in this podcast that Magic Mike was just you know, insane. How he pieced this team together to get into the postseason. So well done to you. Um, guys, as we go into the winter, the question remaining on this podcast that we're going to we're going to dive into is for the Marlins in 2021 and the winter ahead what are the key priorities what are the key decisions that need to be made because hey Mike Hill isn't there to make them so you know let's put a podcast out there that may that may assist I don't know um so Lee is there anything in your mind top of your head and you think this is priority one if there isn't, it's fine. I've got a few listed, but what's top of your head? You're thinking 2021, this is what we need to address or what, what needs to be prioritised? Uh, so, I mean, I don't think we've got many issues. I think the main one 
Um, maybe not seen as a top top source of priority. But the main issue on the playing side is the catcher, you know, like, you know spot. Because we saw Wallach was, you know, obviously seen to, to take over the, the starting spot, you know, in mm-hmm. the end from Alfaro, who, you know, he, I mean, he had these, his, his issues, you know, after this season with the COVID. So when he came back, he wasn't, you know, hitting all that well. And I think Wallach, you know, obviously, you know, defensively, and he frame, frames the, the you know, like the pitches better, which is why they went to him, you know, in the in the postseason. But obviously, I, I think, you know, you don't really want Wallach as your starting starting catcher, you know, like a four four hundred sixty two game games game season. So no. that's all, obviously the main issue for me. Maybe the back end of the rotation, there'll be a spot open. Again, there's 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 loads of names for that. So yeah, the, the the one hole is is definitely the catcher spot, and yeah, then it's do we go go free agency again? I mean, if there's like real moves, you know, you know, like rumored, not not rumored, but you know, mentioned by a lot of fans. I mean, I, I still think his asking price is going to be way too high for what it's going to be worth, you know, you know to me. Yeah, but I say I'm not sure who else is is there. Yeah, that's for if. Sort of free agency wise, or whether they stay stick with Alfaro and bring in another backup, how we you know, like, like we did last season when Asavelli came in. So yeah, you know, was, for me that's the one the one spot that has a question mark you know over it. Yeah, I, I think that's fair really because a there's no organisational depth there a catcher like you know we've built the farm up heavily but catcher's the obvious spot that. You look up and down the org and there isn't much there seemingly right now anyway. And I'm not an expert. Where's, where's Rob Newell when you, when you need yeah. it, right? But, you know, there isn't seemingly much there. And the point you made there, Lee, is, is valid where Chad Wallach was the, the postseason starting catcher for the Marlins. And he was, what, third string going into the year? Yeah. Alfaro was the, the opening day. Cervelli was the backup. In the end, Cervelli's retired and Alfaro's on the bench and Chad Wallach's there. And he's there because of the way he catches and calls games. So he's there for his defensive side. Yeah. We know we know Georgie can, you know, he's got some pop, but catcher is a really intriguing one for the Marlins. And Dan, Ria Muto, give me a percentage. Give me a percentage. Uh-huh. I don't think there's any chance to be honest. Not, I mean, the, the, the thing is, it's, um, I mean, we I would love it, I would love it if, if he came back, but I just don't see how, um, one, there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be interested in him. Um, so whether he comes back to Miami, uh, if he had the choice to, I'm not sure that there, we would be up on his highest on his list, but you never know. But most importantly, is yeah, as, as Lee said, the money. Um, I don't think we're going to stretch to that, not not for uh, not for that position. So, uh, but yeah, um, definitely, I think that's the priority because uh, you, you can't play 162 season with with just two two catchers and one of them, um, you know, completely out of form. Uh, one of them, um, Chad Wallach. So, <laughs> yeah, it's um, <laughs> no disrespect to him at all, but that's going to be uh, that's going to be a, a position we need to address. Um, I don't know what's happened with Alfaro's not out of contract this year, is he? No, 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 no. He's... No, so it's just, it's just, yeah. So form and you know, I mean, it's difficult this year because of what's happened. 
you know, he was affected by COVID, as a lot of our players were. So it's difficult to maybe look too much into that. But, uh, yeah, there's, uh, he, he's got his strengths, but we, we can see he's got his weaknesses as well. So I think it's it's something that we need to strengthen because we can't we can't just be going with, with those two guys all the way for a long season. But I'm not really sure who else there is, to be honest. Um, I mean, I think it was, was it Cleveland? Is it Perez at Cleveland? I think he was talked about. But I think he's going to have his option picked up. So I don't, I don't really know where where we look. But it's one hundred percent. It's something that uh, that we're going to need to address. Yeah. Can I just add? You know who comes off the books this year, right? And you know what kind of value that is as well. Yeah. <laughs> just, just as an FYI, that our man way in. He's fully weighed in now. His contract has been. He was the highest paid player in baseball this year. Way in Chen, and he's off the books. There is that money freed up. I you see know? something like um, he costs about the same, or within a couple of million of the Rays squad. Yeah, like two million. <laughs> the Rays were like two million more. I mean, it's <laughs> rated so. But, you know. Yeah, we're competing for a World Series, and what our player and thrown a ball. Oh, that's brilliant stuff. I love stuff Insane. like that. Insane. Hey, listen. I mean, let's. What I think the Marlins will do, I think they'll follow the same path that they followed last year with catcher. Alfaro, for me, has the tools. I think it's just a developmental thing. And uh, I think they will persevere. And I think they'll bring in a Cervelli type um, on, a, you know, on a cheap deal and, um, you know, and have Wallach there as the third guy. So I think that's the way they'll go. I'm like you, Dan, and probably Lee, you're in the same camp. If they absolutely splashed it on Rio Muto, we would not be crying about that one. <laughs> that would be that would be insane. And the Phillies would absolutely lose their minds. They would lose their minds. They when... would have lost lost Sixto for nothing. <laughs> absolutely. Imagine that now Sixto comes out and throws a complete game with Rio Muto catching. Oh boy, the Phillies! That would be the end of them. Um, anyway, it would be, be, be a career step up as well because we're we're a better team than the Phillies now. They're gone. <laughs> They're gone. I tell you, you want to talk about bullpens? Holy moly, them boys! For me, the Phillies it was it was an absolute disgrace they didn't make the playoffs this year. And for all this talk about expanded playoffs, you know, when you look at it. For the Phillies not to make it, for the Nats not to make it, for the Mets not to make it, all of these, all of these three guys to look at, you know, should be looking at each other going, that was a disgrace that we didn't make the playoffs. <laughs> it was. So, you know, not everyone can get in. I get it. But, um, you know, just just on the playoffs itself as well, Lee, the one one other thing, there's been a lot of debate about postseason expanded playoffs. The World Series have ended up with number yeah. one seed against number one seed. So for all this talk about, oh, you know, oh, too much chance and this and this, for me, you know, the cream rose to the top, I think, really. But just just, just about, it did. I mean... Close to being, to being the Astros. <laughs> I mean, would you, have been okay? would you have been okay with, a, with an Astros-Braves World Series? I wouldn't have had, a, had an issue with... But the Astros being in it would have... Yeah, we can't have that. It would have been a mockery. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there would be no one who would have been there. 
they they were one of the guys I think that benefited right from you know just about scraping in where it was... I, think they, I think they I think they benefit from a lot of things, mate. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they did. That is true. I guess what it shows though from an ast- I mean, again, don't want to go off on this tangent. Um, but, you know what it showed is. Good, good team, you know, and their pitching's been a little bit decimated and, you know, whatever. But, you know, hitting-wise, those guys can hit, you know. Correa was absolutely balling out and Springer. And... They, they, they came good, you know, in, in the playoffs when it mattered. Yeah. I, I am glad that they didn't make it to, you know, like, you know, to the World Series. Though. Yeah, yeah, I think – and, and I might be the cheer on the Rays too. And I like the Rays, I like the way they operate. And they're, you know, they're a blueprint for the Marlins, really, you know. Seeing the Rays doing well is a good thing because that's, you know, we're a small market team. We always probably will be, and the Rays exactly the same. And so, you have to do it differently in those markets. And the Rays, for me, whew, if they come in and ask to trade for one of your players, say no, <laughs> say no, unless the return is incredible. I mean, you know, the only deal we've done with them was for Nick Anderson, and he, you know, we all knew he was a stud, um, but. Anyway, we, we're going off on many tangents very quickly, which um, you know can happen. Um, you should put that on a T-shirt, mate. <laughs> I, that is going on a T-shirt. Don't you worry. Alan Witt will be buying that one. I've I got, I got that lined up. That one's going to be 50 quid, though, by the way, RRP. <laughs> For me, guys, here's another decision or discussion area. I, I don't believe there'll be a DH in, in the 2021 season. I think it will be wrapped into the 2022 um, renegotiation or whatever. So I think you go back to normal in 2021. What that, where that impacts the most is first base for the Marlins because Aguilar, Cooper Loop, both uh, are, are at the moment contracted. And you also then have Lewin Diaz in the wings. And I'm intrigued to see how it plays out because really there isn't, for me, with no DH, there's not really a spot for both Coop and Aguilar right now. So what about you on that, Dan? I mean, for me, the decision will be, do we trade one? And if you were, if you needed to trade either Coop or Aguilar, what kind of direction are you going with that one? Uh, I, I'm... I really like both players. I really do. I think they're. Um, I think they're both explosive. They've got a lot of power. Um, you both feel comfortable. Whenever I see them coming up, you feel comfortable. You think, right here we go. Um, oh yeah, I think you. Would, I don't. I don't dislike the idea of them both being there, but you just think that, yeah. If if the DH is going, it's uh, the, the the sensible thing would probably be to try and negotiate a trade. And if that does happen, I think you'd have to keep Aguilar. I think Cooper would probably be the one that would. You would look to go uh, to, to to find something a return for. Um, uh, I don't know. As I said, I think that Aguilar, Aguilar's had a good season. Um, I think that he struggled in times, um, but I just feel like that his he he offers a bit more when he comes to play. He's got so much power in those guns. He's such a big frame. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that uh, begrudgingly. I think you'd have to look at maybe doing a trade with Coop, Coop being the one that to, to get the return with. But that's a tough one, mate. That's a really tough one. It is tough. It is a tough one. Lee, could you see a situation where they keep them both? I mean, they could. It's possible. But, I mean, with no yeah. DH, for me, it's it's going to be yeah. hard. 
with no with no DH, I can't see keeping them both. And when you look at it, I wouldn't see the point in keep keeping them both when you know that you can get a return, you know, on either one of them. You know, at times you got to make make the tough, you know, tough tough calls, and one of them will have to go because I mean we're with Lewin Waiton as well. Yeah. Obviously, I mean, he, he, I mean, obviously he played, he played a bit, you know, in the, for, for this season and wasn't quite ready. But, yeah, so for me, I'd rather keep Cooper for me. Mm. I think he, I mean, obviously he, he can play in the outfield. I mean, not that I want him to anymore, but he can play in the outfield, you know, if, if it was called, called upon. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I mean, it's a toss up, really. You know, I mean, they, they both have power. You know, we may better, better defence. I'm not sure going to be close, but for me, I, I think just me being big because Cooper's been been here longer as well. You know, you, you know, you want to see him sort of sort of through through like the the rebuild, you know, you know real you know, stage as well. I know, obviously, question mark with him. Obviously, he's been in, injured in every season. I know this. I know this season. It, you know it. It was COVID, so it wasn't quite quite the same. So yeah, you would have that question mark over him. And I'm not sure which one at, at you know like actually returns the most. Yeah. In the in trade, I mean, they're not. I mean, Ag- Aguilar obviously has had a better season. You know, overall, was it 2018 was it? Yeah. Like, when it went into a great season, but then his 2019 obviously was down, and obviously he had a bounce back year year again. Again this year, you know, in a small, small sample size. So I think you might end up getting maybe more for him just because he's a bit more more proven. But I mean, it's a, it's a toss up really. But yeah, I can't see them both being on the roster together if there's no uh, DH. Yeah, yeah. It's a tough one. I mean, they they profile very similar uh, yeah. in in many ways. That's the thing. Uh, interestingly, Donny um, felt that. Defensively, actually, he preferred Coop at first base, which um, was interesting. I always felt that that Aguilar looked better actually at first base, but I don't know when Aguilar's just his influence in the clubhouse and the vibe he created. I mean, shouldn't be forgotten as well. I mean, he was obviously just a, a clubhouse stud last year. Like you could see it. You know, he brought a lot of juice, and you need that juice. And the, the reason he had the juice is he knew he was playing every day and that's what changed for Aguilar. And that's why it makes it interesting from a trade perspective, because Aguilar needs to play every day. Like it's clear when he was platooning, like he was in 2019, it wasn't happening. So you need someone that has a desperate need at first base. I don't know who that looks like, to be honest. I don't really know top of my head. So I'm intrigued. What we'll do, Lee, we'll use your segue that you've teed up for me, talking about Coop in the outfield, and that's right field typically for Cooper Loop. And you're right, I, I don't think his time in, in right field, I don't think you'll see any more time in right field ever for the Marlins anyway. Um, but Dan, we have, you know, in my opinion, Right field, so center field's boxed off. Stalin Marte is an absolute stud, and he will be yeah. playing next year at center field every day. Yeah. Rory Dickerson is here for another year, and he'll play pretty much every day, too, in left field. Right field, this year, the way it played out, Lewis Brinson and Matt Joyce was the, the platoon 
that's the way it played out. Um, how do we see right field looking next year? Um, I get the sense that, I don't know, Brintz has done enough. What about you? I mean, Brintz for me has done enough to, to, to have another, another year at it, I think. Um, are we going to keep Joyce? Are we going to move on? Who's going to, are we going to move on to? I don't know. There's so many options in the outfield. Yeah, there is a lot of options. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure about um, what we do with Joyce. Um, I think you're right. I agree with what you just said. I think that um, Lewis has, has had his best year in a Marlins jersey. So I think he's, you know, we, we've stuck by him through the, through the bad times. I'm not saying he was electric this year, but by, by all, without doubt, he's had his most productive year. So I think it would now be a bit disheartening him to sort of not, not be playing him. So I think he's got the right to go there. I wouldn't even mind seeing a bit of Monty Harrison over in right field, you know. Yeah. Um. I. I. I wouldn't mind seeing that. But yeah. I, there's. It's one of them things, isn't it? It's just there's a there's a lot of options. Um. Yeah. I. I think. If it was down to me, yeah. Lewis, I think he's got his chance. But I'd like to see. I'd like to see a bit of Monty Harrison. I wouldn't mind seeing him out there. I think he's performed pretty well. Um. Just needs to maybe get it together with the bat a little bit, a bit like Lewis. Um. So we'll see a bit more production there. But yeah, it's, just, it's enough. Though. I mean, here's who, here's who I noted down. Just, you know, throwing names out there. And some of these you'll even forget. So you've got uh, Jesus Sanchez that will yep. be knocking on the door. Um, who, yeah, I think, okay, didn't set the world alight for sure. No one really set the world alight of the, the young mm. bat. So no. you got Jesus Sanchez. you got Harold Ramirez. Don't forget about mm. hitting Harold. He only played, what, three forget. games? I did forget about Harold Ramirez. Yeah. There's so many. You got Mags out there. Mags was starting games in center field when you know Stalin Marte's gone down. Mags was next man up. You know, Monte was a role player, late innings, you know, defensive replacement, stealing bases. You're right. I think we'd all love to see Monte kick on a couple of levels because A, the personality is A plus. Yeah, tools are a plus. the The drip is a plus. Like it is, there's a lot of a plus um, for Monte, but we just need what to. About John, what about John Bertie as well? Can't he play out right? I mean, it's an interesting one for me. For me, the Birdman is. I, I like him as an infield, you yeah. know, utility guy more so than the outfield. But I mean, I think, I think his his arms too weak. I think to play outfield too too many times. Yeah, it's one of the playoff games when he's he's throw is just too, you know, it's, it's too weak. I mean, I mean, he's okay at yeah, you know, spot start and that starting out, you know, to, to fill a hole if needed. But yeah, permanently, yeah. yeah, I think he'd need a stronger arm. Yeah, fair enough. But I mean, there's just so many options, and and don't and the other one, the other option, just you know, that's knocking around. You know, there's a couple of them actually. JJ Blade, where's that one headed? How close is he? And Heira Encarnacion, where's he progressing? You know, there's dudes just coming through. But what we know is for 2021, Stalin Marte and Dickerson are, are inked in. They're inked in there for now. Unless, unless obviously one of them's moved on, you know, it's possible. But, um, you know, I'd be, I'd be very surprised, particularly if, if Stalin Marte was moved. Um, yeah, I think even more reason than maybe when you, when you look at that list, and that name after name, I'd be surprised if we have Joyce back 
next yeah, year. I don't think we'll have Joyce back. No, I don't think so. So I think it'll be you know, it'll be a crapshoot there to see where we where we where we land up. But you know, it's it's going to be an interesting one. But the other for me, guys, the other moving on to another position, just on the on the position player side, we'll get to rotation just to round up. For me, we had this same conversation last year. Conversation hasn't gone away. Second base. Um, what's the future hold there, Lee Dobbs? Because Isan Diaz, he had a roller coaster of a year. Um, no COVID, but opted out, opted back in, then injured and out for the year. Um, so Isan Diaz in the mix. Jazz Chisholm, in my opinion, the only one of the hitters that came up and actually displayed major league ready tools um but obviously isn't a, a second base naturally but how do you see how do you see second base shaking out oh you know that that will be a tough one mm-hmm. they probably will, will come down to, to the spring battle you know, between them right so do you go with the more natural yeah like your, your natural second baseman or, or probably the better hitter you know you know right now in jazz and they're saying Isan, I mean, we're still not really sure what you know, you know, what we got from him. Obviously, we saw him in 2019, you know, and he did okay, he wasn't wasn't great. And then obviously, as you say, he opted out, then in then injured. So we, we didn't we didn't really see him you know, at all last year. So Jazz, I thought he did well. Obviously, he he had his his struggles. But hopefully that that year year he's now had you know yeah you know, we'll do him a good good stead. So for me right now, if I was to call it you know right now, it's I mean it'd be tough, but it'd probably be sort of 55-45 leaning towards Jazz being a start starting second baseman you know on opening day. Yeah, love it. What about you, Dan? On second base, it's again it's a topical one. Yeah, it is, and um, <clears throat> I think that. Uh, it almost comes down to if any, either one of them can just light up a little bit with the bat, then that's all they need to do because um, you know, they've both got the same sort of troubles. Um, Diaz, I was sort of all in on uh, the season started. I, I love what we were seeing. I mean, you even bought his jersey. You uh, know. Another one. <laughs> um, but we was in with him. Uh, but I'll tell you what, uh, one of my highlights of playoff um, baseball this year has been watching Jazz um, not only just in the field, but stealing bases, that pace is insane. And I can't remember what series it was now because baseball just seems so long ago, so much has happened. Um, uh, there was a stage where we had uh, John Bertie and then straight after Jazz was in, straight after him. And those two, you just thought it doesn't matter what happens after that because they're going to get wrapped whatever's going in. It was electric, absolutely electric. And it was so fun to watch, watching them two just like the, the, the fielders, the pitchers just didn't, but they were so conscious of it. The pitch with the ball in his hand was worried about what was going on with the bases with them two on base. And I love that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with Lee there. I would, I would at the moment slightly go ahead with, in the pecking order with Jess Chisholm. I, I'm really excited to see his development this year. Really hope he can get something going with the bat because uh, I love watching him, love watching him on the base. Yeah, me, me too. I, for me, he really kicked on towards the end. Like, I mean, mm. he had a he had a big, big final game against the Yankees the regular season with I think maybe 
a double and a home run pretty much it was almost a, a, a double home run day from memory. Then he hit in the postseason, he almost hit a home run. I think it was in our last game in the seven nil. Um, he hit right at the top of the wall in the corner, if I remember correctly. It almost yeah. was a home run. Funny. So, funny. you know, dimensions that stopped it. Yeah, exactly. So it was, you know, tricky dimensions. But the thing for Jazz, um, what I loved what he said, and this is why I think he, he will be up all year next year, is when asked, when I asked him about, you know, what's been the biggest surprise for you in the major leagues, he went, that it feels no different. Like, I was told that it feels different, but for me, I felt no difference. And I was like, oh, Jazz, you naughty man. Yeah, I love that. That's brilliant. That's what I mean. I love things like that. Yeah, it was awesome. I was like, yep, that is beautiful. So for me, Jazz, I think that's half the battle, I I think, is whether you feel like you belong or whether you feel like you're ready. And I feel like Jazz, defensively, we know is ready. He's already shown he's ready. Second base shortstop, doesn't matter irrespective you can give Miggy Rowe a few days off here and there but for me Jazz could play second base all day long and it would it would look awesome so no problem there it's just do you have it with the bat for me the signs are good but I'm intrigued to see how it kicks on and the other thing we shouldn't forget guys I asked James Rousen ahead of the season who are you most excited about his answer Isan Diaz so J-Ro was all over Isan and Isan has the tools. And like we, you know, like you mentioned, Dan, uh, you know, we're all in on Isan this year. Yeah. We're all in on him because the tools are there. We know the talent's there. He lit up AAA. He lit up DeGrom with his dad. Um, you know, <laughs> Isan's got it too. So, you know, but, but for me, shortstop, there is no conversation. I'm having no conversation there. I don't know about you boys, but there is none for me. Like, no. Miggy, he's an immovable object for the Marlins right now. And just to kind of quickly bring in some, I guess, recent news for, you know, for the podcast started, we, we record this on a Thursday night, UK time, but Miggy Rowe and Brian Anderson have been nominated as Gold Glovers this year. Um, so congrats to them guys. It's uh, both of their first nominations BA obviously at third base and, and Miggy Rowe at shortstop. So yeah, congrats to them guys. Well deserved. I mean, that play, that play by Brian Anderson with Braxton Garrett pitching, it was just insane. Class. They both had their moments, haven't they, this year? They both had, you know, that BA moment. I mean, all right, I know the, uh, the Garrett reaction is what gave it a lot of traction. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's uh, let's not have it. That, that, that was incredible glove work. Reactions uh, were insane, and of course, Miggy with his hurdling, famous now. It's on it's on t-shirts and everything. Uh, <laughs> that famous hurdle and double play dart. That was uh, one of the moments of the season, if not the moment of the season. Brilliant. So congratulations to both. Of them. Absolutely, guys. We will finish up with the pitching. Let's just kind of look ahead see where we're at because what we've had this year is a glimpse to the future we've seen some guys more uh, more close up or closer up than we perhaps would have seen them in a normal season if uh, if all was well but um lee when when donny was asked a couple of days back and i must say <laughs> if you haven't seen the pictures or any of the uh, the footage from that 
Firstly, Donnie was looking relaxed. He was, he was just sitting back, chilling. Hair was long. It was the best media uh, session I've seen with Donnie. He was absolutely relaxed. But he was asked about the rotation and projecting forward to next year. Here's what he said. These guys are likely locked in. Sandy, no surprise. Pablo, no surprise. Eliza, the third. Those are the three that, that Donnie's called out to say, if they're fit, I think they're in. So, Lee, how are you seeing it playing out? I mean, for me, try and where are we seeing Jose Arrhenia? We need to talk about Jose Arrhenia because I think there is a decision to make. How do you see that decision playing out? Well, again, that's going to be tough. I mean, <laughs> on how fit you know, he will, will be, he's going to be, obviously, now his trade values will be hurt because. You know, you know, we, we don't know if, if he's fit and you know how, how he's going to come back from that. Do we just cut him now and you know, you know, you know move on? Uh, that just seem a waste you know, because we probably can get something for him. I mean, we've seen him in the in the bullpen now. You know, before yeah, you know, something I wanted before, but I don't think it, it worked. And I think our bullpen is quite settled now that, that we don't really want him in there. All it'd be is a long, yeah, you know, like a long long reliever. And that, and that just seems seems a waste, I think, in a minute. Mm-hmm. So, if he's fit, or I say I'd still like him to be in the five if he's fit. For me, you know, I like him. You know, obviously, I think he's pretty probably the, the, the like longest ten, you know, you know, like tenured player there now. Yeah, you know, maybe with Miggy Rowe. but I mean, for me, yeah, he, he would be my fit. Sixto would obviously be, be the fourth in that. I mean, for, I mean, for me, Sixto in. I don't know whether he's just trying to, you know, like, you know, like make him come to spring, you know, like, you know, like fit, fit and ready to prove it. But I'd, I'd be really surprised if Sixto isn't in in the rotation coming out of spring yeah. now. So, yeah, I mean that that would actually be be, be my five if I but obviously your Rogers Garrett is there as well. I mean, you know. Castano was really good. Yeah, you know, yeah, 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 he, he, he was a, you know, yeah, surprised with with how well how well he did. But like I say, I mean, there's gonna be so many tough tough choices to make. I think he's either in the five or we we cut him. Yeah, well, he's final year of ARB, isn't he? So like, there's a decision to to make. As he in... was quite expensive. You know, he, we don't really want his wages. I was just pay him anyway, probably, but. It's, it's not worth worth keeping him if he's not part of of the five. Yeah, I, it's a really intriguing one with with Arania because uh, it's felt like they've tried to move him for years and yeah. they've never been able to make it happen. And so the question comes, you know, going back to the Mike Hill situation, um, you know, do we do we want to pay the guy? And maybe the Marlins will say, actually, do you know what? Let's just move on and go our separate ways. And equally, he's just broke his wrist. That's not a good thing. Um, we don't know how quickly he'll heal, you know, all that type of stuff. I don't know. It's a really intriguing backstory, I guess, and something that we'll kind of track over the next couple of months. Um, the other guy that we haven't talked about there, Dan, is, is Eddie Cabrera, who we didn't see this year. He was the one that we didn't see. <laughs> of all the guys... Eddie Cabrera was the one, you know, going into spring last year, 
Eddie Cabrera is ahead of Sixto. In people's eyes, Eddie's ahead of Sixto. We didn't see him at all. So he's the other guy in the mix. But how do you see it playing out? I mean, if you've got those three that Donnie says, who's the other two spots, knowing what you know now? <laughs> yeah, um, well... Six though we're, we're is in at four for hundred percent for me. Yeah. Um I know I know we saw um we saw the the, the good and the bad of six though, but you know, let's let's remember that he come he's coming up making his debut um in un- exceptional circumstances and we saw some uh, we saw some very good snippets of what he is. I mean, wow, he's fast, he is fast. So we we but he's got he's got some development. He's got to iron out some some creases, no doubt about that. But six though is in at four. I'd be shocked if he's not part of the five. Mm-hmm. Um, it really uh, sort of troubles me with Urania because I've not been a fan of baseball on the Marlins for that long. This is only my third or fourth year, um, and Urania was our number one starting day pitcher when I first started. So I've always sort of took a shine to him. It was always very. One of the first things I remember in my early Marlins fandom is Urania because he was our number one guy. He played really well at the game that I first watched him play. He's like cool-looking dude with dreads and all that. Lot. So I thought, oh, yeah, this is someone I could get behind. Almost like a jersey seller straight away for me he was. I was like, okay. So I, I immediately liked him and therefore I always sort of really rooted for him. But the last two years, there's no doubt about it, it's, it's stagnated and it comes to the point now where if it's getting to the point where you think, uh, are you going to have to pay him or let him go? Right now, you'd have to let him go, I think. So, um, and that's that's quite tough for me because he has got talent. He's a good player, um, and I would I would probably right now still say that if it was down to me purely on emotion and and talent, I would put him down as, as our number five. But the sensible decision is probably now to stay. Right, it's been a couple of years. Nothing's been proved. It's gone backwards, and. Um, yeah, the wrist injury is no good. Uh, yeah, I would probably say it's, it's the right time, but I hope not. I hope that he, he does come in because if, if we see him as our fifth pitcher in the rotation, you're not going to have any complaints from me. I think the one thing we'll miss if, if we move on from Urania, the, the one thing that will be missed will be the Braves Urania matchups. Yeah, exactly. That's a really <laughs> undersold point. That is a really understood point. What would a Braves... The Braves game days will be boring. They'll be rubbish. I mean, apart from you winding up all the Braves fans on Twitter, there'll be nothing else to look forward to. So, uh, yeah, no, we've got to keep him for that sense. That's a really good point. So, yes, I'm all in now. Thanks, Pete. There we go. And actually, down the other... The secondary point, and this may be the main point, there's a T-shirt that's in... Is it, it, It's in operation. It's, it's floating around, available... Rose Urania, the T-shirt yes. is available at a good Marlins UK store near to you. Yeah, make sure, you make sure you snap yeah. it up. I, I, I would deeply miss. I, I, I've always had the sense that Mattingly likes Urania, like I, I feel like he does, and I, I think we're gonna, I think we'll get another year out of Urania. It's just my gut feel, and we'll see, because he's, he's obviously hurt. They need to pay him. He's finally a revab, so he's the most expensive he'll be. We've obviously tried to trade him. We can't. Mm. Um, you know, but I'd like to keep him around just purely for Brave Series, predominantly, which are a lot of fun when, when Arania's on the mound and Brave's Twitter just loses his mind. It is worth yeah. If we have to pay him six million bucks, I'm all for it. My regrets. So, 
we will see. Uh, the, the rotation is going to be really interesting. I actually thought it was interesting that Donnie, you know, was so in on Eliezer. You know, yeah. just think of where we are right now, you know, six months on, eight months, nine months, whatever. We're going into it. It was the battle, Yams or Eliezer for the fifth, the fifth spot. And now, coming out of the 2020 season, it's, oh no, Eliezer's in. He's come a long way, real long way. So fair play. I mean, he pitched well and obviously got hurt and didn't finish the year, but um, I guess Caleb's out, you know, moved on. So, you know, Eliezer's, they obviously had confidence there. So, yeah, interesting. Guys, I think we're just coming up to about the hour. So I think we're just about on schedule here. Um, what's what's going to be, just to finish up, one shocking moment from the Marlins. Look ahead, Lee. In these window <laughs> meetings, what's going to be the shocking moment? Is it going to be a free agent acquisition? Is it going to be someone cut? Is it going to be a big trade? Try and look ahead if you can and give me a shockometer explosion. Not easy. Uh, I don't think we make a free agent splash. Obviously, I mean the the real shock we are, yeah would be as mentioned. Real Muto, you know, you know, coming home. So I mean, I, I guess I I would say that would you know, you know would be the the biggest shock you know, shock of all. I, I don't see us making many moves. Yeah, you know, to be honest, trading wise. Like so, I mean, maybe one one of the first basemen, you know, as mentioned. So maybe Aguilar being traded, mm-hmm. you know, it might be the shockest. Yeah, you know, outside the organization who aren't paying, you know, who, who don't know like the like ins and outs of it. So yeah, maybe a, a trade for Aguilar. You know, yeah, that will be the like the like you know, most shock move to make. Yeah. Okay. Anything further from you, Dan? No, I think that that's probably about right because yeah. everyone else seems pretty um, sort of cemented in. They're either going to be surplus requirements and it wouldn't be a shock if they did go or they're part of our future and the guys that aren't maybe or could possibly be moved are one of the two at first base and the trade that the position that we're weakest in and we need the depth is to catch us. So, yeah, it, like Lee just said there, it's either going to be some money spent and maybe something big that can come there or we could see something happen in one of those first place trades. But I don't really see anything else. It's either going to be, um, yeah, they're, they're in, the penciled in, they're inked in, it's the, the, unless something wild happens or they was going to possibly go anyway. Um, so no, I don't see, other than what Lee just said there, I don't really see anything um, other than that. One move I do hope we do make is sign a BA. You know, yeah, like long, yeah, long term. Yes. That's got to be, got to be the top, top priority for me. Love it. Lock it down. Love it. I think that's, I think that's a serious probability that that we make that happen, and um, I think that'd be a good thing for, the, like, it's the right time for the Marlins to make a commitment to someone, you know, of the of the original core. Um, I guess if that's how you want to describe it, you know, Mickey Rowe had an extension. Uh, last year, but you know, a BA, um, obviously, Arena is not going to be the, the guy, um, but you know, a, a BA, Brinson probably isn't going to be the guy either. So, you know, it's 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 the right one, let's say, 
Cooper Loop, I guess, if they want to fully commit to, to Cooper Loop and give him, you know, some sort of long-term commitment. But, you know, knowing the signs coming into spring with Coop, you know, he was, you know, to his phrasing was, you know, there was a fire up his ass, I think was how he described it. And so, you know, the pressure's on. But B.A., he's just been a cornerstone there at third base, hasn't he? He's a legit third base stud and continues to, to rake the groundskeeper continues. So, yeah, I love that, Lee. Let's finish it there, guys. I think that's the perfect way. Let's finish it up with a hashtag pay BA. Um, nice. Let's see if the Marlins get their checkbook out. Um, so, Lee Dobbs, Dan Healy, great to talk, guys. Really appreciate your time. Um, I guess in many ways, that's the end for us as the, for the 2020 season too. So, you know, it's been an absolute whirlwind the last couple of months with, with podcasts and, and Marlins uh, coverage. So we'll perhaps pump the brakes a little bit now as we go into the winter meetings and um, we'll, we'll, we'll move away perhaps from weekly pods <laughs> as, as not so much will happen. But boys, I, I want to thank you guys for the commitment and time that you guys have dedicated to this pod. Um, it's having the UK GOATs on as a as a core is just special to this podcast. I know I know we do other things too and we get other guests on, but for me, um, you know, the the beauty of this pod is it's a UK Marlins pod with us guys just giving hype. So boys, as always, I appreciate it so much. Well, well done to you too and all mate. Well done to you too because this is only year two of this podcast and uh, the elevation in well, um, it's, it's been it's been big, yeah. It's been bigger than the Marlins elevation, so that sounds something. So keep it going into year three, my man. Absolutely, we're going to keep it rolling. We're going to keep riding this wave in. Um, right then, boys, that is literally the hour on the money. Episode seventy-five is in the books. We will be back soon, but unconfirmed when. And thanks to all the listeners for sticking with us over the past few months. And like I said, we'll be back very soon. Thanks, guys.